by no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in beautiful, sunny, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you. Hope everybody had a restful and relaxing weekend. Hope you enjoyed the weather safely, of course, six to ten feet apart from everybody. Our guest today is socially distanced adequately. Bruce Feldman, college football reporter extraordinaire of The Athletic, of Fox Sports 1. You hear him all the time on Paul Feinbaum. Bruce had a fascinating article from February that I just stumbled upon because I'm, I'm reading a lot in quarantine. I'm going back and trying to catch up on things that I may have missed. And Bruce had an incredible article, a very, very well-reported piece on how the high school football class, quarterback class of 2013, completely changed quarterback evaluation for recruiters and how it applies to NFL situations. It made me think of Marcus Mariota reading it. This particular article focuses on Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Mitch Trubisky, Christian Hackenberg, and Max Brown of USC and Pitt for a short time. But it was an incredible read. I encourage all of you to do so at theathletic.com. But first, let's chat with Bruce Feldman. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets. Promo code AZ10 saves you $10 off your online order. We are very happy to have Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, of Fox Sports, the book, the quarterback, the making, uh, the QB, the making of modern quarterbacks, available wherever it is that you can get your books. I would check out Amazon in particular. But Bruce Feldman, college football reporter extraordinaire, kind enough to give us some time here on the pod. Bruce, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, of course. You are one of you are one of the people I go to to read when I want the foremost expert analysis on college football, which is so weird, Bruce, that we find ourselves here because I, I want to know where this, where this interview request ranks in terms of randomness because I found an article of yours, a very, very well-reported piece, that we're going to talk about here today, but it was from February 10th, Bruce. That's that's got to be a weird text for you to get. Hey, can you come on? Can you talk about this thing that you wrote two months ago before Corona, before COVID-19, before all of these things? Uh, where does that rank in terms of random texts for interviews that you've gotten? Uh, it was on the probably higher end of it, but the thing is, um, I've gotten a lot of really interesting feedback and comments from um from people about this that particular story um it's interesting because one of the people who's referencing the story is jared goff and he was not um you know he was not he was not as critical to to my reporting i mean i talked to a ton of people for the story but the story went up and i got a dm from jared goff who i probably at the time hadn't talked to in a year or two and he was like man i love that piece and i was like wow i didn't you know i started hearing from people like that i started hearing from people in the nfl um you know it just and the crazy thing though is it really took off from like almost nothing in terms of the idea was something i was like oh initially i was going to tweet something and then i was like oh let me look a little further and it was like you know it was like the onion where you keep peeling layers and layers like wow there's more to this and more to this and more to this and then the more i got and then the, the more people who I, I was surprised how many of the 
quarterbacks who it didn't go great for were willing to be very honest and candid with me for the story because it you know it wasn't like it showed them it's one thing to talk to pat mahomes after he won a super bowl or talk to somebody after it went great it's another thing when it didn't go so great the story that we're talking about the inexact science of qb evaluation and what recruiters learned from the 2013 high school football class features guys like as bruce mentioned jared goff baker mayfield mitch trubisky but it really really focuses on the guys who didn't make it bruce or i mean you could argue what what exactly making it looks like max brown and christian hackenberg obviously got uh, got recruited by high-level programs. Hackenberg went to the New York Jets, the career. Obviously, we know how that panned out professionally. But I really, really enjoyed the angle that you took because you talked to as, as many people as humanly possible, it would seem, for this story. It was very, very thorough. And I think, I think that those guys, when you mention you know, guys like Hackenberg and Max Brown being willing to I guess, divulge a little more about where exactly or what happened over the course of this process, the recruitment, how social media kind of infects everything and how it inflates the, maybe not inflates the quarterback's opinions of themselves, although it's going to do that, but kind of inflates the expectations for these young men coming into college and then how it can affect their psyche afterwards. I think that while while they're playing the sport, Bruce, it's so hard for them to voice these things publicly because in in this you know sport of of man amongst men this is excuse making in any other situation but this allows them to give their perspective in a way that I don't think is very common for us to hear from quarterbacks yeah uh, and again like what you said is spot on as I tried to address in the piece as we kind of unwound this and you know, as you, as you said, I mean, you know, I wrote in the story, this is the ultimate, like, don't blink, you know, job in sports where you are looked on as a leader. You are looked on as the guy who's going to find a way. And for these guys to look under the hood for themselves emotionally and come to terms with that. Uh, I knew Max Brown. I had talked to him before. He's working in some media capacity. He's more I knew he was going to be pretty introspective. Christian Hackenberg was was I thought would be more complicated in that regard, just because he was the guy who uh, both he and Max Brown, if people haven't read the story on the Athletic yet, were the two five star quarterback prospects. And when you look at Hackenberg, I mean, he had a terrific first season at Penn State, and everybody not everybody, but a lot of people were anointing him as a future first pick overall in the draft. And then eventually his career hit a lot more adversity. And he struggled, and he really struggled. And then, um, you know, it became one of those things where I think a lot of people, unless you're a Penn State fan, will remember Christian Hackenberg and think, bust. You will be, it will be boiled down to those four letters because that's kind of how I feel like this works, especially in this day and age of social media. But with Hackenberg, especially, and I, you know, I cover college football, but I didn't really, you know, I kind of glossed over and haven't, didn't remember as much of the details of what happened with him. When I started talking to people who played with him, who, who coached him, um, I got a much different perspective on it because Christian Hackenberg was really a guy who helped Penn State after he left uh, win a Big Ten title under James Franklin because he was the guy who helped more than anyone keep it together when every, all the all the sanctions and 
and really the scandal from the Sandusky uh, news had really carried over to what the what the guys at Penn State, the players who had, didn't have anything to do with that, but they were the ones who also had felt some of the brunt of it. And so, you know, how that translated to Hackenberg, how it impacted his career, you know, not having a good offensive line, scrambling, you know, basically, you know, getting sacked a ton of times, just how that changed. And you, I talked to other people who were, you know, other quarterbacks who talked about how a quarterback can, can get ruined if he's just constantly under pressure and just backpedaling like he was. And then, so there was that piece then, you know, when you talked about the social media aspect of it, uh, the number three quarterback in the class, Shane Morris, who probably had the strongest arm of the group, he ends up going to Michigan. He had committed early, had a huge amount of followers. He clearly, you know, and he, I was surprised he was, he, he went in and wanted to talk for the story. I did not think he was going to respond to it. He did. And he was very introspective and thoughtful and, and was able to point out a lot of the stuff that got to him as a as a high school kid and affected him and slowed him down and all those things and um so i thought it was it was fascinating study to see how all these circumstances affected guys who you know as as some of the coaches i talked to coach them like they didn't get the evaluation wrong it was just a lot of other stuff impacted it and that's the thing that we're, it seems we're always so quick to forget. I'm absolutely guilty of this. And I want to, I want to circle back to Christian Hackenberg in just a second. But since we're, we're talking about social media specifically, I don't know if this is a fair question for you, Bruce, because it's not, it's not quite quantifiable. But just from, just from covering these guys, obviously, once they get to the college ranks, but you have very, very deep connections through, uh, through 247 uh, recruiters and uh, through through the people that put together the ranking systems for the prospects and for the recruits as they're coming in. Has there been a tangible effect, in your opinion, on the hit rate of these guys, maybe specifically quarterbacks, maybe just prospects in general, that social media has had? Like, has there been a precipitous effect of social media on guys coming into college football? Yeah, I do think it is, especially at that position where they where they're so visible, and you know, I don't want to say they're all emotionally fragile, but some of these people, as as you know, yeah, I talked to Yogi Roth, who was one of the coaches at Elite Eleven and coached under Pete Carroll, is now a, a Pac-12 Network analyst, and he was like, these guys are not fully formed yet; they don't even really know who they are at that point as people, because we learn that you know, when you're 16, 17 years old, you're really still developing emotionally. And so, you know, throw that into it. I mean, look, we all, I mean, you had mentioned at the top how, you know, we were, you reached out to me at, over text, but it was like a lot of this stuff, you know, we're quote unquote adults. And, and I think we still get impacted by some of the stuff that we see on social media as it relates to us and, and different things. I mean, we all also have some, you know, some weaker, weaker moments than other times in our lives when we're in the middle of things. So, I don't think it's a stretch to see how impactful this could be. I mean, it's it's easier said than done to not read stuff and to block things out. Um, it's just, I, I think for, again, you know, for, for quarterbacks at that position, and it is such an inexact science, and there is so many factors that go into it, um, into what makes up success. Um, you know, we want to think things are black and white when they rarely are. 
I maybe and maybe that's why this this story hit me or resonated with me so well. And it sounds like obviously I wasn't alone in all of this. But from the quarterback aspect, it I read through it and I read Marcus Mariota's pro career here in Nashville because of all the things that he has sustained and how that seemed to fundamentally alter him or at least alter the confidence that he played that position with. And then the social media aspect of it, these these guys are right around my age, Bruce. Like, I remember, I, I'm 26, I remember Instagram popping up in college and just how obsessed people became with how you could how you could shape how your life looks, in essence. And it goes into much, much deeper uh, sociological and psychological things as to, as to why it is that we, or at least people my age, strive so hard to get those likes and to get that positive reinforcement that is, you know, hollow on social media, but people really seem to thrive off of it. That's, that's why I think this story resonated particularly with me so much. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, look, I think as somebody who's covered the sport for a while, I guess I'm, you know, two decades older, but I I think it was fascinating to me because it started out as such something very trivial where I had seen that a former touted quarterback in that class, Johnny Stanton, had signed an NFL, a new NFL contract as a fullback at switch positions. And Johnny Stanton was kind of like the West Coast Tim Tebow back then. Right. And I looked to see, you know, who was in that quarterback class. And then you see the top guys, top ranked guys, but then you go further down and you remember, hey, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff were in this class. You go even further down, there's, there's, you know, they were way down in, you know, there. Mitch Trubisky's in that class. I mean, and it's just, um, I think this is an interesting study in human nature. It's an interesting study in, to some degree in human development um, as it relates to at least playing football and football evaluation. And, um, you know, I was, I, I was proud of the piece just because it was kind of a, a good window. And it's, I'd like to take credit and say, Oh, I, this is what I set out to do. It wasn't, I started <laughs> I started to pick around that and pick around and it was almost like it, it turned out it's one of the few stories that I feel like I've worked on in a while where it turned out like it probably went so much better than I had expected because I didn't have these kind of expectations because I didn't know it was just kind of like, let me, let me go where the, where the research and where, where the stories are going to take me. Uh, see, low expectations, Bruce, is what sports talk uh, and and the entire the entire industry thri- thrives off of. So I can very much identify with low expectations. Um, I quickly though, because I want to ask you, I want to ask you a couple questions about the article, the Q and A that you did with Myron Roll, who obviously Titans fans are familiar with. But before we move on to that, how much how much can elite eleven camps and things of the like we're familiar? Obviously, with Trent Dilfer down here, maybe it's not as obvious to people listening outside of Nashville, but Trent Dilfer coaching high school football down here, a big part of the Elite 11 and the prominence that it's taken in in the quarterback training circuit. How much can Elite 11 camps and things like that help a prospect, and how much can they skew the evaluation of them? Well, with the Elite 11, this was – really when this quarterback group was coming up was really in the infancy of at least Trent Dilfer's handling of, of this and his guys helping run it. 
before that it was under Bob, uh, Bob Johnson was, was their lead instructor who was a high school coach, a longtime high school coach, uh, down here in, in Southern California. And then eventually Trent got into it. I want, you know, probably eight years or so ago. And this was one of the early stages. And I think he, and also the, you know, a lot of the people, his protégés helping run it. I think this was a real learning experience for them and talking to them. It was just like, I think they'd seen how the quarterback position to some degree has certainly evolved. I mean, look who, look who the NFL is falling in love with now. It's Kyler Murray. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Patrick Mahomes. Those are not guys necessarily either from terms of how, like how tall they are or the style of play, style they play was not, you know, what you'd look at 20 years ago of what they coveted and what they kind of felt like was, was their ideal. And so I think a lot of that has evolved and is still evolving. Um, one of the guys I talked to for, you know, who shows up in the, in that story a little later on is Daniel Jeremiah, who's like NFL networks, uh, draft analyst, but was a longtime NFL scout and a former quarterback himself. And he's, you know, we talked about, you know, looking back at Hackenberg, looking back at Max Brown and what he thought then versus now. And he's also talking about the stuff he sees from Pat Mahomes and the way it works and why, uh, why it's such a different game and evaluation so different now than it was even five years ago. So I think all that factors in. And I think, you know, Elite 11, I think certainly helps some of, uh, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks getting, um, a little additional knowledge. I think it, it certainly helps them get exposure to a lot of college coaches who may, you know, may not have seen them yet in the process or maybe first just learning about them. And I think some of the stuff, look, Trent played in a, a long time in the NFL. He is, he has studied the position and how it's evolved uh, as just about as much as anybody who's at the highest level of having played it. And I think so. So the, all those experiences, I think he's been able to share and try to help those kids with. I think that is beneficial. It's not to say that you know that their evaluations are always going to be 100 percent right because um, they're because they never are like that way with anybody. But I do think that intel that he can share and that they share, I think, is ultimately beneficial with a lot of these kids. Without question, and I think I think the work that you did on this piece again, the inexact science of QB evaluation and what recruiters learned from the 2013 high school football class available on The Athletic. A long, well worth your subscription, The Athletic, for fine writers like Bruce Feldman and also here locally, Joe Rexroad, sleepy Joe Rexroad, doddering John Glennon, Adam Vengan, all of our friends who appear regularly on the 615 sessions. I think it really the piece really allowed people to to see, you know, to to make it a little less to make it a little less I'm trying to look for the right word here. A little less reactionary to you're talking about the evolution of the quarterback and just how evaluators have had to work their way through these evolutions. In retrospect, it seems so easy to say, oh, how how could so many teams, how could 31 other teams pass on Lamar Jackson? How could Pat Mahomes not immediately uh, be the top quarterback in his class? But it, it just kind of helps remind us that this is still a very, very deeply, deeply flawed almost process that gets these guys to the highest level and it doesn't it doesn't exactly go off with a hitch even for as long as as guys have been doing this no exactly that's exactly right and i think that that's the thing that uh i think 
you know, we got to constantly remind ourselves about, you know, and maybe that's the fun part of the process and everything like that is just the, the element of discovery. And sometimes we're going to be right. And sometimes even though we're, we're sure of it, we're going to be wrong. No, Bruce, this is far too measured. This is this is the anti gas bag position. It's much more fun to react <laughs> on the front end and then to make a big deal about it and then maybe acknowledge your mistakes afterwards. Uh, at least that's how I have gone about my uh, my professional career at this point. I want to quickly ask you because you've you've done a lot of great work here recently with the the effect that COVID nineteen has had on on the sports world, and and we'll see exactly how that comes to bear here in the coming months with college football in particular. But Myron Roll is one of the most interesting human beings on the planet to me. He's finishing up, or he's in his third year. Of, uh, of residency as a neurosurgeon at Massachusetts General Hospital and the Harvard Medical School. You caught up with him a little bit, and I don't want to keep you too long, but I, I would be remiss in not asking you just exactly how much you were able to glean from how serious all of this is from the perspective of Myron Roll. Yeah, I had, I've known Myron for a long, long time. Did a really long story about him and spent a bunch of time around him and his family when he was in high school and it kept the relationship, you know, we've, we've kept in touch. And, um, I think talking to him in the, who's in the middle of it, um, has just been really fascinating to see because of everything he, you know, he's, he's not, you know, because he's in, at, in those hospitals and dealing with it, I think it's been a it's been a case where he's seeing everything that is everything that is, uh, you know, it's all connected and seeing how, how it is exhausting the hospital and the nurses and the supplies. And, and just I think you have so much credit to those people who are able to, uh, you know, to keep you know, like I, I, I did this over, um, I did this over, over DM with him because his schedule was so all over the map. You know, there was, there was 18 hour shift. There was an eight hour spinal surgery. There was like, you know, three different times where we kind of circled back because, um, you know, his normal is very different from everybody else's normal as a, you know, as a resident at a hospital like that. Um, but you know, at that point, you know, of, of the pandemic and as we're, we're all kind of coming to terms with it, um, you know, I guess that was three or three or four weeks ago. Um, it was really around the time when at least it was, it became on, um, you know, you're trying to think, how do we, not how do we cover this as sports reporters, but, but. You know, I was just uh, his. I thought his perspective, because people, college football fans, certainly knew him. They also knew, you know, remember his story: the Rhodes Scholar had a shot in the NFL, and then what he's doing. But I just thought it's like, okay, you know what? I'm not saying this is certainly not going to be the definitive, you know, story. If you know, to know what's going on as it relates to COVID-19 and 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 sports, but I just thought it was something that that our audience would at least kind of find interesting and, and to hear and um it, i thought it was just a good good little starting point for it yeah i uh, i was getting frustrated because of course you know interesting interview local ties 
former Titan, want to get him on the podcast. And I'm getting frustrated because I couldn't get Myron Roll on the podcast and my girlfriend had to remind me, you know, he's kind of busy right now. Maybe it's maybe it's not the highest priority thing for him to do an interview on your podcast. I was like, yeah, I, you know, I get it. I guess I, I guess perspective is important sometimes. But you can read uh, Bruce's Q&A with Myron Roll. You can read the quarterback, the inexact science of quarterback evaluation what recruiters learned from the 2013 high school football class. All of those things available on The Athletic. You can follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman, CFB. Find him on Fox Sports. My man is working 24-7 trying to give the good people college football content. And for that, uh, we truly appreciate you, Bruce. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll text you here in a couple months about an article you wrote in April and we can kind of do this whole uh, rehashing of stories that are well behind you. <laughs> Sure. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the real, I really appreciate the kind words for the story and for the athletic. And, um, and it was good, good, uh, good talking to you about it. Okay. It was a super heavy football conversation here on the 615 Sessions podcast. See, this is, <laughs> this is the inexplicable thing about how we do our jobs around here. Cause I, the, the, the impetus for me finding this story from Bruce Feldman is so, so unlikely that I would just be digging through my emails, and The Athletic does a great job of sending some of the best stories that their writers have done in a regular, almost daily, I think, newsletter. And so I'm peeling through Athletic newsletters from February 10th because there's nothing going on in sports right now looking for something to talk about, and I happen to stumble upon one of the most interesting pieces that I've read this year. So shouts to Bruce Feldman, the best in the business, one of the best in the business, for making time for us here on the 615 Sessions podcast. Shouts to you guys for keeping up with all of the craziness, all of the weirdness, all of the randomness. It would be odd that in the middle of Corona, when there's no football, there's nothing going on in sports, that I would do arguably my most sports-centric podcast which I think we have just done here with Bruce Feldman of The Athletic. Meanwhile, many more conversations like this one with Bruce or like any of the ones that we've done with Titans players, our friends in sports media from the Nashville area, our friends in sports from across the nation. We get the best in the business on this podcast, and it's because you guys do so well in supporting. So continue to rate, review, and subscribe. Leave your questions for our guests, for me, for Intern Reed, for whomever it is that you would like to ask a question of. You can leave those questions in the iTunes review with a five-star rating. Make sure it's five stars. Four stars, you're just trolling us, and that is absolutely unacceptable. But I appreciate all of you. We will speak to you again on Thursday. So in the meantime, stay clean, stay safe, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>